Here is the pitch. So at the end of every show, I've asked a lot of questions. I've talked a lot and I just want to talk more, honestly. Um, so what I do is I flip the roles around. You are now the host. I am now the guest. This is now your show to talk about whatever oh, you want. As I'm long this on my resume, my as new podcast. Want. Exactly. There you go. So <laughs> from this point on, the show is yours. Awesome. Well, welcome to my podcast hosted by me, Joe Carlson. Um, this is my first podcast I've ever hosted. This is great. Um, I, first of all, I'm like, I'm so in awe that you do podcasts every week. I feel like for me, the hardest part is just the consistency. Um, <laughs> I, like I, I'm, that's why I'm like, I love like being on other people's shows, but like, how do you do this? I, you, you have an episode every week, right? Or like, how do you Whenever you, whenever yeah. it pops up. So at one point when we first started out, we were every week. And then yep. I realized like in order to keep that pace, I was having to book like three or four months out. Yeah. So like people would so want to come on to talk about like a book that they're releasing in July. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, hate it for you. This show isn't coming out till September. Uh, oh, so well, yeah. after a while that got super stressful and yes. I was like, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to drop it down to like bi-weekly. And then life hit. I had a kid. I was like, all right, uh, monthly. You have a kid on top of this? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So from there, now what we're doing is bi-weekly. And in between, I do these like pit reflection type yeah. things where it's just me talking about something in the tech space that's happening Sometimes it's for the public. Sometimes it's just on this premium feed that this is on now. Yeah. But uh, I, the thing that has made me consistent with it, I think, is just the the sheer idea that even though a lot goes into it, it can be done. It can be done yeah. and it's relatively easy. It's yeah. just a lot. And knowing like, okay, there's going to be some episodes. I mean, there's this one like, I'm not going to edit anything. I'm going to master the audio and I'm going to put it out like that. Right. That's a lot easier. There are some episodes where. Oh, editing is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> my guests might have like a cat that's like walking across the desk, like the entire show. And I have to like find every single meow and like remove <laughs> it from the show. Like oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of the stuff that, that you hit. But then if you're able to balance that of like, okay, some of the more intensive type shows with some of the less intensive type shows and kind of split that up. It allows you to be able to uh, release with some level of consistency. Oh, totally. I, I think that's good. And it's hard. I think you have, I think you have to be flexible like that. And if I had a podcast, I think that's what I'd have to do too. It's just like, it's so hard. It's, and I I know that the big ones like JavaScript Jabber and change logs and JS party, like they're, they're great at it, but they're like, that's, they're doing that all the time. I don't, it's so hard. I don't they know. also have sponsors. Like, like that's a big thing. Too. Getting paid for it. Yeah, yeah. That, that 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 does that does change. A lot. I, I, I don't want to show up to my day job every single day of the week, but like I'm getting paid to do it. So it's yeah. like even when I don't want to be there, it's like well, kind of got to be there. Otherwise, yeah. I don't get paid. So oh, totally. I, like I get that, and and I think with with the community, it's nice because not everything has to feel like growth not everything is a growth hack not everything is a growth metric like at the beginning that was that was the pace it was like i gotta find like the next big upcoming name in the productivity space or the next big upcoming name in software development now it's like 
this person's cool. I want to talk to them. Like, yeah. I think doing a show that you want to do, talking to people that you just genuinely love talking to, yeah. that makes it a lot easier to show up every day instead. Like, I mean, I woke up this morning and it was like, ah, oh, crap, I didn't do my research. So then yeah. it was like, I get to spend the first three hours of my day learning all about Joe. Yeah. And that only makes me more excited to have this conversation because now I feel like I'm getting to know somebody that I only know through like Twitter. Totally. No, I totally agree. But even it like that is a productivity hack though. I feel like, like we could like push through the pain of doing shit we don't like and like for only for so long. And I feel like I'm at that point too, where I'm like, I'm, I'm only going to like do things I care about. And I'm, I'm, the rest of the stuff, it's not going to even happen. So I agree. Like if you want to be like talking about things you care about, like that's a great motivator to like be productive about it. It's hard. It's hard to like, we can't push ourselves past this point for forever. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. that doesn't work. Especially if you have a kid and a family and a job, like no way, dude, that's too much. Kid, kid family, job and side business. That's, that is me. And I'm that's on a sports organization. No friends. <laughs> all, all of my friends meet through Zoom. So yeah. 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 Oh, it's me too. Same, same. Um, so I'm curious too. like, tell me about like, I'm curious about like something you're proud of recently. It doesn't have to be tech. It could be something at your job something you made it could be something you made 20 years ago um but like what's something that you've like done or accomplished that you're really proud of i mean the the te- the typical answer would be like yo my kid is like a genius she's only like 19 yes. months old and she's oh. she's like got her she's got her abc's down she she knows what each letter is she's not just singing the song like that's the best part baby and einstein she, exactly and like there's, I think I put it out on Father's Day. There was a video where, like, I was like, "Hey, say Happy Father's Day." She's like, "Happy Father's Day!" Oh, and I was like, "Oh, kid, you were the best." But what I didn't put out was like the time before that, where like we're just sitting there talking, and like I'm at my desk, and I'm getting ready to do a live stream, and yeah. she like grabs the the microphone and she's like, "Hello." <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you going to be a podcaster?" And she's like, "Podcaster." I was like, "Yeah, she is." <laughs> so. I mean, that, <laughs> that little kid is like, that is my buddy right there. But I, I mean, if, if we're talking like technical, I yeah. mean, I don't know, like Pitt as a business has been tough, yeah, but it has been there. Like, I think yeah. that's the thing. And, and I mean, also, I mean, it's a good thing that it's not like the only thing I'm doing to make a living. So like, that's always yeah. nice. I don't have to put a lot of pressure on it, sure. but I, yeah. I think like, the first month where I was like, Oh man, this was a really good month. And like mm-hmm. people were reaching out and like, Hey, I need help with this. And I'm like, All right. It's resonating. Like, wow, I could actually do something like this. And then like the mm-hmm. next month, like nothing happens. I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> oh, totally. I totally get that. I'm like swinging wildly from being like overconfident in what I've done. And then like wildly depressed about it. <laughs> the work I've done. done. There's no middle for me. There's no middle. Like this is, this is the greatest thing ever. Like I'm a failure, and everything I've done is a failure. Um, no, this is great though. I, and, it's, and I love how you're building community of the show too. I yeah. think that is so key. Is like and like developing and like getting people who are like into it and getting a talking and like becoming like the center of this like this group who can like help each other grow. You have to I, have that. I think the big thing that. I learned really early on was you are there for the community. The community is not there for you. 
Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Every, every, you know, year or so, year or two, I mean, the community is like almost six years old now. So it's like, we put something out and it's like, oh, hey, we started out as a Facebook group and it was like, I hate Facebook. So why am I going to be on this? And yeah. the community that had grown there was, they did not care about the podcast. Like they didn't even know, half of them didn't know that there was a podcast and there was like oh, 2000 people in it. And it was like, yeah. you have all these people like the The podcast itself is doing really well. Like we're mm. at a point where we can like talk to sponsors and things like yes. that. But yeah. at the same time, because I'm, literally trying to do this thing for a community that I don't feel like I belong in. Yeah. Like I don't want to do it anymore. So yeah. then like I left and was just like, Hey, y'all can have this. I'm going to yeah. go do this thing over here. If y'all want to be a part of it, you can, but I'm going to make you jump through hoops because yeah. I want to know that you want to be a part of this. I mean, that, like I said, if you want to join the community, people have to like reach out to me directly or just, hope that I'm feeling like nice enough to open it up for like 24 hours and send links sure. and stuff. And yeah. it's not because I think that like our community is literally just us sending gifts to each other and like joking yeah. around and like, Oh, Hey, you know, what kind of coffee did you have this morning? And uh, yeah. like, it's super chill. Yeah. But I do that because every time someone comes in, yeah. It's almost like I'll have to go into like mama bear mode of like, okay, is yeah. this person going to be a douchebag? No. Right. Okay, cool. Like I, I make it house. Exactly. And I make yeah. it my responsibility to like when that person joins, I yeah. am the first person that they talk to. Like, I don't care yeah. if it's three o'clock in the morning, my phone will go off and be like, Hey, someone new joined the community and I will get up and I'll send a message. Say, Hey, make sure you introduce yourself in general, by the way. Yeah. This is where our code of conduct is, like all these things. Like, I want people to feel like they belong, but I yes. don't want to sacrifice the community because of that. I don't. I don't want someone to come in and be like, I should be able to talk to people however I want, and yes. because you're here for me as my advocate, you should be okay with that. It's like, uh, no asshole, yeah. get out. But yeah. at the same time, being able to do that, and I think that that's one of the things that like. As a developer advocate, mm. I wish that I could ask that question to more dev advocates because it's like, mm. how do you handle someone coming in and like, like what happens oh, yeah. when a neo-Nazi comes in and is like, I want to use MongoDB? Like, yeah, what, totally. like, what do you do? You're like, uh, no, no, I guess. I, I, I totally. Don't, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> That's actually something we've been talking about a lot as a group. And like, and I, and I want to say too, like, there's something to be said about an exclusive community. I think that like that is, and it's like it's your house. And I think a lot we're moving like Twitter is at the place like everyone can come here. Neo Nazis can use the platform. Twitter's like, and Facebook's the same way. Like, you're welcome. Everyone welcome here. Freedom of speech. But it's like you get some assholes there. And like, if you're trying to make an intentional developer community, I think you have to be really clear about that group, like what the rules are for your your the crew that's like allowed to hang out and talk. Cause for me too, it's like important that everyone feels safe. And if there's an asshole there, it's like, you're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to leave. And I think for us, like I can control like the developer community that we have there. It's like our forums and our Twitch streams and like um, our Twitter and LinkedIn and who we're like following and engaging with. But like, and we, and we, we have to, we have to do that. Like if someone's posting racist, sexist, like shit online you're like you're gone i'm sorry like you can't we can't we can't have yeah. that you know what i mean 
I don't know. I love that. You can like control that better. And it's hard. Like manga to B scale. We're like, we're, we're huge. And it's, it's hard. It's so hard. Like we're always trying to like keep an eye on stuff as best we can. And I love that. Like you have that like group where, and I'm more comfortable in that too, where you have like a small group you can like yeah. manage and contain and kind of control yeah. and boot. And I mean, there's like, like I said, I think, I think it now the numbers are like 80 something. And even then it was like, there's like 10 people that talk on a regular basis. And yeah. it's like, that's fine. Because yeah. every time that like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to like, I'm going to kind of like clean this up a little bit. People are like, Hey, don't, don't kick me. I'm here. I'm right. just, I'm just bringing it in. I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not really, I don't feel comfortable contributing. And I'm like, okay, well that's something that we should probably talk about. But then also that's fine. Like not everybody has to be me like jumping in every single day. Hey, how's it going? How, you know, how's life treating you? And like, right. it's fine. If you just want to observe and see things, it's, it's bad when, someone says something and all of a sudden there's hatred being thrown around and it's like if you don't want to talk that's one thing right if the things that you're talking about aren't of any kind of substance i just don't have time for that and i mean that's that's mostly just my the mom in me like my mom is like so blunt about stuff she's like (laughs) one of my favorite phrases like boy bye (laughs) like like that's love it simple literally how it is like no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've gone. I, that's it. I mean, Twitter too. It's like, if someone starts trolling me, I'm like, I'm not even going to engage. Like, blocked. Bye. I yeah. don't care. Like, I don't got time for this. Yeah. And like, they're not, probably not going to listen anyways. Like, bye. See ya. But so smart. I think a lot of that, though, is the attitude that is portrayed. Like, I mean, yeah. we still have, we're still in a world where being loud is as effective as being good. Yeah. Like sometimes totally it's more effective. Like the yeah. loudest person in the room is where, is where all of the attention goes to. So people 100%. are being taught, like I said, that mentality of like, okay, it's my first day here. I got to find the biggest and baddest MF and like mm-hmm. clock them. Like that's, yeah. that's basically what's happening is you have these developers or you have these people in tech that are even at like C level that yeah. are just loud. Loud, like, yeah. loud what assholes. Yeah. What you're doing is not great. Like what you're yeah. doing isn't like innovative. It's just yeah. loud. And because it's loud, you're gaining a ton of attention on yourself. And and the people that will resonate with you happen to also be the people who are really loud. So yeah. it, it seems like you have more people in your corner than that person that doesn't feel comfortable expressing themselves or, or sharing something that they're passionate about. Totally. And that's the thing that I have really tried to do in my community and, and even online is like, how do I find that person that has like 30 followers mm-hmm. that is really doing something cool and, yes. and not necessarily promote them in a way where like, like, I hate to break it to you. You're not going to gain like 50,000 followers for being on this podcast. Like it just right. doesn't work that way. You might gain like three or four. I don't know, right. but I can give them a platform where it's not like, Hey, you have to be an expert in this. I just want to know what you're doing, why you did it. And, and, and let you know that I think that that's cool. Oh, totally. And to go back to your, we have like a tiny platform and like trying to use it to like boost up voices. You may not typically hear. Exactly. And and I think that's where, you know, when you, you asked the first question about like being consistent, I think that's not to give myself this, like inflated like importance or anything but like yeah 
when you enjoy the conversations that you're having, when you yeah. understand that this is an opportunity for people who are not often on podcasts, who are not often yeah. giving these gigantic talks and don't yeah. have, you know, 47,000 followers. No mm-hmm. offense to anyone that does, that's fine. Right. It's just this show is probably not for them. Unless it's like yep. I know them personally and like they're a friend and I'm like, hey, I just want to talk to you. We're going to talk. Right. Yep. But I mean, yep. I, I have found the best episodes that I've done have been the people who have little to no following mm-hmm. that are doing a thing. And yep. like this is a way to just be like, wow, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. And it's like totally you then create a way to like connect with that person and then you see them growing in the space and you're able to help amplify their voice. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's fun and it's exciting and like, it makes you want to do it more. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think you nailed on it. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, being loud on social media is a key to growth. And there's a ton of developers who just like, don't, don't even use Twitter. They don't even use, they're not even online. They don't use yeah. Twitch. Like they don't have a voice on there and they're, they're geniuses who like, should be heard by more people. And a lot of times we're just hearing from assholes who are allowed online. It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, I, I don't even know. It's like, how do you, I, it, it's like, I think it's up to people who have like a, t- like a, a tiny platform, like help amplify those voices if we can, you know, it's a, uh, I don't know. I don't know how else to help. You know what I mean? It's so hard, <laughs> but I'm so impressed you do that. That's amazing. There's this, this cool idea. Like, even, even like, so the, I, I stream Hearthstone, like stupid cool. little card game, whatever. Yep. Like yep. I, I reckon I do a podcast on Hearthstone. Like I've, I've got that recording later this afternoon, but cool. it's like the thing that we have done that I enjoy a lot is the team that I'm a part of. We're all, we're not like high tournament level folks. We're. Right. We're people that have day jobs. We're people right. that are doing probably way too much and just, you know, want to also do this other thing. Right. And the community has that we've adopted is one that feels like they don't belong in the streams where there are thousands of people. Yeah. Like people where they're like, my voice is drowned out amongst all of like the all the weird like emotes and stuff that are happening in Twitch. And it's like, if I have, if I have a a stream that has like 15 people in it, I'm like, this is the best. This is amazing. But it's like, (laughs) at at the same time, I've learned that numbers are not important. Like, you know, I talked about that, that huge Facebook group where none of them were really getting involved in the podcast. Like yeah. I was making zero dollars and zero cents off of a multi thousand dollar Facebook group, you know, or multi thousand yeah. Facebook group. And like, right. I make zero dollars and zero cents off of my like 1800 people that follow me on Twitter or whatever. And yeah. it's like, all of that stuff is so not important. And I learned that the most when I was able to fully finance my podcast yeah. off of eight people. Wow. Yeah. It was just like, Hey, this is how much yeah. it costs a year. If everybody pitched in this much, the podcast can go on for as long as y'all continue to pay for it. Totally. And if I don't continue to pay for it, I'll pay for it. That's fine. But yeah, I just, I like, it's one less thing that I have to worry about. And it's like, at the end of the day, if I'm just talking to eight people and mm. those eight people have to get so much value out of it, 
I've had people that have followed the show since day one. I've seen them go through like two jobs now. And it's like, it's so amazing because they start out in this thing that they hate and they're like, I just want to get out of this. And it's like, well, here, let me figure out how I can help you. So then it's like, I start bringing people onto the show to literally like talk just to them. And it's like, Hey, there's someone in our community. You know who you are. This show is for you. (laughs) Exactly. And you're right. Cause we get like obsessed with numbers, but it's not about quantity. It's about quality. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, we have like quality communities that we're creating yeah. instead of just massive, which we get obsessed with. And they're sexy and high profile, but that's not what matters. I mean, that's, that's one of the things working in e-commerce that I've, I've just learned about. Like when my boss, like I'm in the marketing department. So when my boss is like, Hey, how are the numbers for our e-commerce platform? And it's like, right. the numbers don't matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is like, okay, are people buying stuff? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. they're like, well, we need to, we need to show that we're having a lot of people visit the site. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you want, if you just want a large number, here's how many people go to the homepage and then right. leave. Right. There's the bounce rate. <laughs> exactly. This isn't for yeah. them. Yeah. Like yeah, the exactly. bounce rate is going to be your highest number. <laughs> Let me just send you that. <laughs> oh, totally. So I was the technical lead for the front end of bestbuy.com, which is the okay. third largest e-commerce site in North America. And yeah. we had this, we had the same shit too. It was like, yeah, it, no, yeah. It, it, I feel like they were asking the wrong questions, and we were like doing things and not investigating. It. Like, um, yeah, how much money does this drive revenue? But like, is this decreasing site performance? And what's the what's this taking away? Or yeah. like, it was very a very limited view of how we're actually looking at how the site was performing. Um, it's hard. I don't know. And it, it's hard to tell that to non technical people. And I get product people are like money numbers. How do I sell this? How do I look good to the CTO or shareholders or whoever whoever cares about that? But yeah, that's not that's not sustainable. I don't know. It doesn't build. It's not great. I, I think when whenever we have like the company that I'm at now, they have this super super corporate mentality ceo comes in with like five ceos from other companies and they're like right. oh you do the e-commerce blah 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 widgets and mm-hmm. stuff so how yeah. do you how do you what do you what are you doing to keep people on the site and it's like nothing i'm mm-hmm. giving them quality stuff to buy mm-hmm. like yeah. I'm, I'm making sure that they have the information that they need at their fingertips. Honestly, I don't want them on the site for a long time. I want them to be able to find what they're looking for, make their purchase and be happy. It's mm-hmm. not th- the number should be the shortest session times with like capital per session or like revenue per session. Like if someone comes in for five seconds and makes a thousand dollar purchase, that's a lot better than them staying on the site for two hours and making a purchase of the exact same amount. You've now saved the customer time and you saved yourself time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially e-commerce. Like, I we want them a good experience. They're going to come back, right? Yeah. And like, and I'm shopping online. I just want to have like, I want it to be easy. I want to be fast. You yeah, know? I, I don't want to be around. bombarded with pop ups every five yeah. seconds. I Dark don't want to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get these stupid drip campaigns where like, if I order a pizza online, I'm now part of the the pizza family, and they want to tell yeah. me about every single menu option over the course of a three day, you know, over three days, and it's just like. I know what I came here for. Yeah. I got what I needed. I got out and you sent me a receipt that said, thank you. And that's really all I need. I just listened to a podcast, the startup, um, but it had the guy who did, was it, uh, it was Groupon. And he was talking about how he should have trusted his gut over numbers. And it was specifically about email campaigns. 
So they were talking about like how they were doing one email like a day about like new Groupon offers. Mm-hmm. And then their product team came and said like, hey, if we start doing two emails a day, we're going to increase like because we get X conversions for every email campaign. We can start, we can double our money or whatever. <laughs> and like his gut was saying like, this that's, feels terrible. Like yeah, a customer's going to have a idea. bad experience with this. <laughs> like he's like, we're data driven. This the, your product says it's going to do this. They did it. And like, sure enough, like his gut reaction to what that the product yeah. people were telling him was right. Like the number said it was great, but like, I, and I have that personal experience of Groupon too. Like it just feels spammy and gross to me now. Yeah. And I'm, I try to avoid using it if, if at all possible. I, and it's, I, they were too driven by numbers. That's, I mean, but that's the case with, with most high level marketing firms. I, I mean, yeah. like the book company of one, I know you yeah. don't like reading, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I can read. Yes. <laughs> pretty. I mean, one of the things that they talk about in that book, and, and I mean, I've followed Paul, Paul Jarvis's career for a while, but yes, yeah, you know, he talks about the idea of if you are a metrics company, you are going to have a harder time because your goal is to sell as many widgets as possible. You don't care right. about who's buying the widget. You just mm-hmm. need the widget sold. It's right. almost like I, t- I talk about like the, the Alice Cooper kind of mentality of, you know, D Snyder basically said, Hey, if y'all want to, if y'all want to burn all of our CDs, sure. Go to Walmart, buy every CD we have and exactly. burn it. because yeah, it, yeah. at the end of the day, like it's not for you. And if you bought it, I still get paid. Like you get the money. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where, that's where I think we need more advocacy because we need more people in this space to say like, look, this is a bad experience for our users. Mm-hmm. This is a bad experience yeah. Advocating for, our customers. for customers. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just get rid of all of this crap and just give them a, just focus on a solid product. Focus Mm -hmm. on like, we don't need to be the loudest people in the room. Mm -hmm. We just need to have this nice, really solid thing that works. Like I could buy a Lamborghini. I couldn't buy a Lamborghini. What am I talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Hypothetically. Yes. If I, if I had the money, I could buy a Lamborghini. Right. (laughs) But I know that like, my Kia that I've like worn to hell and back, like it just works. Like if right, I had the exactly. option, I'd probably just get another one. Like that's, yeah. and that's what happens is this whole user adoption model of like, Hey, car companies know that if you buy their base model car, mm-hmm. if it is the best car they've ever driven, if it's the car with the longest, you know, with the most longevity in their lifespan, they right. will probably go back to, to that same manufacturer and upgrade into a higher model. So yeah. to me, like the best, most reliable cars are like the Honda civics where like you can literally just pull apart and like yeah. throw a new one in and, you know, like these type of vehicles. And at the end of the day, because they're not considered luxury class, mm-hmm. people, people look down on it and it's like, well, right. wait a minute. There are probably more Honda civics on the road. Mm-hmm. across a time span than there are your brand new 2020 you know tesla model y yeah yeah i totally agree i totally agree yep i 100 percent agree it's like everyone wants to be the best but it's like okay to be that just like all reliable that we're going to keep coming back to over and over again yeah and especially like in e-commerce and specifically i think a lot of times with like the shitty e-commerce sites we're obsessed with just like yeah um uh, revenue per session 
but we're not thinking about revenue per next session or the session yeah. after that or the session after that. Yeah. It's very short-sighted, you know? One of the things that I, I pitched for was using um, like business analytics to, or business intelligence to not make predictions on what their next purchase was, but effectively make, make a trend line of, I mean, cause Luckily, I'm a I'm a B two B. I work for B two B companies, so it's, I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about like, am I like pulling in all of this like tracker data from yeah. you know all over the place to predict what my customer is going to buy? Right. But at the same time, like we work in the contract business, so it's like there are some very common purchases that happen at specific times of the year, like school systems. Like we know during the summer they're going to buy gym floor equipment and floor finishes and all that stuff so it was like why don't we start setting up campaigns to help educate them on the things that they're we know that they're going to be buying right it's not a matter of making the purchase with the purchase is already a done deal but what we can do is we can educate the customer on how not to over purchase and how to use the right equipment and that that establishes such a high level of trust that throughout time we're going to get more business from them we're going to start getting more of the ancillary object purchases from them because they trust us oh 100 agree jay you touch on this is like that's what i've been trying to do with my developer advocacy like i've seen with other developer advocates they're just trying to sell you the feature of the thing like selling you the gym floor but like that doesn't work like we need to be teaching our community to get them to engage. And I always use the example of like a real estate agent. Like imagine you're following a real estate, like a real realtor on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. And every day they're just posting a million listings they have. Like that's annoying. And I'm probably never going to click on any of those listings. But if they start teaching me about like, Oh, we did this remodel on this bathroom and it increased the value by X dollars. And here's the story of how we did that. Like they're Mm -hmm. teaching me up the journey of how they do this. And like what that looks like for like, that's it. Like that's an interesting story and i may engage with that i may even said it to my friends like yeah. i'm not even interested in re- like re- but like we have to be teaching our community about what we do and how to like make their lives easier like that's a great experience selling doesn't work anymore we have to teach yeah. and i love how you're doing that with, like teaching your customers about this thing to make their lives easier that's yeah. engaging i love that i think like at the end of the day you know you talked about like selling a house yeah not even wasting your time. Like I, I think of like Ty Lopez and he's like, hi, you know, this is a Lamborghini and what's more important are all these books. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. but there's so many people that are looking at you right now that can't afford a Lamborghini or the books on the shelf. So it's like, why don't you create a model that's approachable for people at all levels? And, and I I think that that's the thing. Like I would want to follow the real estate agent. That's like, Hey, look, this house, yes, it needs work. I'm mm-hmm. going to show you how you can align yourself with this and come in with a, and, and get out of it a house that's worth more than what you paid for it. Exactly. So where you yeah. can say, okay, hey, I bought this house, you know, $50,000 under budget. I mean, yeah. I'm in California. It's probably like $200,000 under budget. Um, yeah. And then from there, it's, it's saying like, okay, you buy it dirt cheap, you pay $10,000 in repairs. And then afterwards it's now worth half a million dollars. Yeah. And it's like, you paid 300,000 for it. 
Exactly. Like, you've, you've saved money. And now at the end of the day, you can sell that house if it's something that like, okay, hey, this is too much house for me or this isn't what I want or I want to get into investment like real estate. You mm-hmm. can then use that house to kickstart whatever your next plan is. Exactly. Yep. But that might not happen if the education had been there at the beginning. Yep. And I might, I'm more like, I, if I'm interested in doing that, I might work with a realtor who taught me how to do that. That's the yeah. expert in my brain for how to do that. Yeah. I want to work with that person. It's all, it's, and, it, and we it's can do that now. We can, exactly. 100% exactly. Trust. Yes. And that's what the, I think is key with like people. Like, I don't care. I don't trust like Remax or uh, another realty company. I, I trust like the person selling the house. So the realtor yeah. I'm working with directly. And same with us. Like, I don't trust, like, I don't trust Google, but I trust a developer advocate that I've been following their work for years. Yeah. I trust, you know what I mean? I don't follow Facebook's engineering team on, or re- like, I follow Dan Abramov. Yeah. Like, I trust him. That's I trust is everything we're doing today. Everything. So it seems like more than anything, a developer advocate is is a almost like a stake in the ground of what this business is about. I think so. I think so. Because I feel the same way. Like, yeah, we have. Like, I'm gonna. I take like the people I trust. I take their opinion strongly, and if they like learn this tech or don't learn it, like I'm, I take that seriously. You know. Are there, are, I mean, do you think that there are developer, I, I, I hate how I'm turning this into my show again. <laughs> like, do you feel like there are developer advocates that are not thinking in that way? I mean, in terms yes. of like, I'm, I'm just here to, to make a sell. Like, yes. okay. Cause I mean, and that's like, that's like the, I mean, the product, cause the company wants that they're paying like developers is advocates are super expensive and I, I have a hard time justifying my ROI. Like, it's not like, I didn't lead. I can't prove I converted sixty people into paying customers. Yeah. You know, and then maybe five years from now they might do that. Yeah. It's hard, and, and I get it. Like they pay a ton of money for me to do the work, and it's, I can't prove what I'm doing. <laughs> it's very soft and gooey. Yeah, and especially if a company isn't used to having developer advocacy program. It's like it's, they think of it as marketing, and marketing is all about ROI. And this campaign yeah. led to X dollars in our, our pockets, and like I can show all this with graphs, but you can't do yeah. that in our you can't do that here. Yeah. I, I gave know. a talk. Someone downloaded. Someone went to the site because I gave the talk. Like, yeah. Cool. Exactly. It's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It, I can't track it. And it's just like, I'm trying to show like, I'm trying to create these ooey gooey feelings <laughs> in a community. And it's like, you can kind of look at it and kind of see it and you can kind of feel it, but I can't, I can't prove anything. Um, and I've had that. It's, it's so hard. It's so hard to do that. I don't know. It's, I think it depends on the company by that too. So actually I can give a specific example here. I don't know if I should be talking about this, but at MongoDB, we were, when I first started, we were under marketing and we just switched back under engineering. We report to engineering then, but under marketing, we were like, I felt like our developer advocacy was hardcore sales. It was just like quick campaigns with ROI. How many, how many lead, like how many people signed up from this campaign? And it, I hated it. It felt like it just felt so salesy, but now we're under engineering engineering. I think gets it better. And they're not as like ROI focused. They're kind of more yeah. about like just helping ourselves. A developer, we're developers helping developers. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? It's just so much better. It's my life is so much easier reporting to engineering than marketing. I think I think that comes down to like, are you pitching or are you building? Like, I yes. mean, 
like if, if you're just pitching a product, then whatever. But if you're on the team that is building it, like, like yeah. you said, you're the advocate is the advocate for both sides of the company. It's almost like, um, most people think like HR is there for them, but they're actually yes. there to help protect like, the company, help keep the company from getting sued. Exactly. Um, a developer advocate is actually there when you're in marketing. It's like, Hey, I'm here because I want you to check out my product. Yes. And then under engineering, when you report to engineering, it is like, Hey, I am here to hear the, I'm here to show you what we have. Yeah. Here are your frustrations with it. Yes. And then take that information back to my team yep. so that they can implement solutions. Well, even so, like, I, like, or someone's like, I have this problem. Is MongoDB help for it? We can listen to it. And sometimes it isn't the, the solution of the problem. I, and like, I'm, I can say that. I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. Yeah. Like, cool, use Postgres. That may be better fit. I'm just here to help, whatever that is, you know? Yeah. And it might be MongoDB. It might not be. That's okay. Yeah. I think that's a big difference, though. I think developers feel that. I, I'm like, I tune out the second I feel pandered to or sold to. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I don't care. You know? Uh, let's see here. Jay, I got to get rolling here. Okay. Should we, uh, should we wrap this up? Sure. All right. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Let me stop my recording here. Love it. All right. Cool. I guess I should do that. One too.